Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 335. The new year is right around the corner, and like so many of us, I started thinking about what I would wish for in the new year, and naturally, my mind wandered to considering something about Royal Caribbean cruises. I started to think about what would I do if I were in charge of Royal Caribbean, and what I might wish for in the coming year for the company. This week, let's wish together for what kind of changes, additions, and even far-out ideas we would want to see happen if we had our own magic genie. Here we go. Sometimes there's nothing more fun than simply daydreaming about things you would change. In a lot of cases, you daydream maybe about winning the lottery or a new car, but today we're going to be daydreaming about what we would do if we had three wishes for Royal Caribbean. Yes, that's right. We're wishing for things we'd like to see changed, improved, added, altered in some regard. And this has become an annual tradition here at Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where I have to legally invite Billy Hirsch from CruiseHabit.com to join me on the podcast to join me in this wishing making. Hello, Billy. Welcome back. Thank you, Matt, for having me. And uh, I'm delighted that last year and the year before that, and maybe the year before that, you did not wish for a different guest for this episode you know there's certain rules of wishing you can't wish for more wishes you can't wish to bring back the dead and you can't wish to get rid of your uh co-host it just doesn't these are the rules that have been handed down um from the genie in the lamp i it's it's about time that the genie did something that uh Airs on my side, so. (laughs) So uh, we've actually, you know what, Billy, we've been doing this now for what, three, four years? Golly, that's something we could have researched. Sure. (laughs) I think (laughs) I think I, we've definitely been doing this since I think 2016. So this is like, this is a, this is a big deal. I mean, it's like, you know, if. um, Tradition. That's right. (laughs) You might be wondering why we've been doing this for this long. No one knows, but we are anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so some good old fiddler on the roof references for all the uh, for all seven of you all the fans, yeah. reference. yes <laughs> so um as is tradition we're going to actually start off with our wishes from last year see how accurate we were and then move on to our wishes for this year and billy since you are the guest would you like to give or receive uh to begin with um i'm i'm not even sure how that works based on your phrasing uh how about you talk about my wishes all right, fair enough. So Billy's wishes from 20, well, from 2018 for 2019 were, number one, rotate shows between ships so we don't keep seeing the same thing. Number two, app features, room control, charging abilities, room access. And number three, infinite verandas. And Billy, I'm happy to say you got one out of three, mostly celebrity, but Oasis of the Seas does have in their app features the ability to uh, get in the door and uh, control the television at recording this podcast. Uh, The other two were swings and misses, but um, that's still pretty good, considering I think overall we're like, oh, for I don't know how many years, generally speaking. So you're, you got at least some movement there. Um, To continue the tradition, though, Mm -hmm. I think we always uh, explain how we were actually right, even when it (laughs) maybe initially doesn't seem so. Uh, first one ship good enough for me. Cause I know that that means it's not like guests are going to say, Oh, you know what? I hate, uh, room access from my device. Get rid of it. It's only going to appear on more ships. So that's a success. I, I get everything doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and the infinite verandas thing, if I recall, unless it happened before the podcast and I was just cheating last year, uh, I think there were some surveys that went out asking about this. So yes. even though it doesn't, it hasn't happened yet. Clearly, they're looking at this. So, and I and I think that if you were going to get it, Billy, you're probably still about two more years to go. But the I I seem to recall that one of the that it was strongly hinted by Royal Caribbean that perhaps infinite verandas would show up on the Icon class ships, which is the new class of Royal Caribbean ships coming out in 2022. So, uh, you might have it. I mean, it's it's like when it's like a broken clock. Eventually, you're going to be right, and perhaps that will occur. So, yeah, there's definitely. I think number two and number three. Obviously, uh, there, there's potential there. I still, I think number one, you rotate the shows between the ships. I just don't. Does any cruise line do that? Hmm. I don't think Disney does, right? They don't, they rotate, their shows will change, but they don't like have like, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, of the, the, I don't think that they rotate any. They have some that 
appear on multiple ships, but I don't think it's like a rotation per se. I don't know that anyone does. Um, The only example hmm. on Royal Caribbean, Hairspray did that to some, I mean, it started originally on Oasis of the Seas, then it was replaced by Cats. So then the Hairspray wasn't shown for a period of time. And now Hairspray has reappeared on Symphony of the Seas. That's, I don't think that's called a rotation. I think, I think you're, I think you're saying that all three of these happened. That, that was my, (laughs) that's, uh, no one, no one else here to be the uh, jury or the scorekeeper. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, why don't you move on to my three predictions? So Matt, last year, you selfishly wished for the following three things. Mine were completely, yeah, for the people, uh, new chat feature sooner than later in the Royal Caribbean app. You wanted more ships to have better performing Wi-Fi, uh, or at, at least a, a more predictable and consistent experience. And late night stays at Coco Cay. And I think you may have done similarly to, to me. So let's see. We got, uh, are, are the late night stays, I don't know how yeah. many of them there are, but I know that there are some. Yes, that's definitely a thing. Uh, that happened in 2019. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. For, that's a home run not even a, no doubter. Um, more ships getting better performing Wi-Fi. This <laughs> this is technically accurate in the sense that a new ship, Spectrum of the Seas, I believe, has better performing Wi-Fi. So <laughs> uh, that, I'm not sure that we were <laughs> thinking think that we're the specific. problem was with new ships, but okay, yeah. that's yeah. That's of of my attorney review these for next year. Yeah. And the new chat feature, uh, definitely not sooner than later. It's on Allure and Harmony. And I think it came to Harmony this year. It might have been in 2018. Honestly, it's been on Alert and and Harmony for so long now that I just don't recall when they... I know Alert had it first for for a period of time. Um, But that one, the the chat feature, my goodness, I would love, love, love for them to do that one already. And it sounds like, and I emphasis on sounds like, there's going to be uh, potential for it to expand maybe in the first quarter of 2020. I was talking with... uh, Royal Caribbean's vice president of digital about this. And it sounds like that's what they're kind of eyeing. Of course, you know, that that's an estimate, not a written in stone kind of thing. So remains to be seen, but um, yeah, I know that I, I feel like there, uh, I feel like this is the one feature in the app that everybody gauges as the, 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 the barometer for the chat working or not, or being functional or slash helpful, even though it does a lot of other things and does them very well. The chat feature is a really, a missing hole right there in the lineup of, of features. And I feel like that's the most noticeable one. Yeah. And, uh, you and I spoke about it. There are some, some reasons that really aren't Royal Caribbean's fault for, for this delay. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that they've managed to try out some workarounds. I just experienced one of those workarounds on celebrity edge a couple weeks ago, Mm because again, same app, different logo. And it's, it, it works. It just does not make for the user experience. I think that Royal Caribbean and and really any cruise line would want for their guests. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they get that polished. But I'm betting that somewhere in some meeting uh, in Royal Caribbean, their their IT, their product team, someone uh, someone has said, "You guys told me it was a terrible idea when I suggested that we partner with Telegram on messaging or something like that. <laughs> Outsource it." But oh well. Uh, so, all right. So it's getting there. So, so we're getting there with the messaging. Um, you got your late night and boom, I'm sorry. I can't count that one. a success again. <laughs> Technically it happened. Uh, you always get this way at the end of the year. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to our wishes for 2020. And I think we will alternate on these. I'll let Billy, you, I'll let you go first on this one. But we'll go back and forth, uh, giving the wish and explaining what it is, uh, and why we want it. Okay. So along with, I'm not just going to explain why I want it. I'm going to explain why it actually, I think makes more sense for Royal Caribbean. Um, because why I want it in this particular case, Matt, you'll jump all over this right away. I want later breakfast options. (laughs) Wait a minute. Later is a relative term for you. It's still early when you wake up at 1030, but please go on. If I'm having a waffle and eggs, Matt, <laughs> and it is one in the afternoon, that is breakfast. And it is my first meal of the day. That is breakfast. Um, so again, I, I wake up late. That's 
you know, I, I'm not here to make things up that are really specific to me, though. The reason that I think this is actually uh, would be a good thing that that guests might like is because, in fact, of, well, something you wished for last year. We're seeing more in the year before that. In fact, we're seeing more and more itineraries with uh, late night stays. Not as many as maybe you or I would like. We're seeing some more overnights as well. Uh, but overall, the schedules for ports of call, the 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 arc of curve has gone in favor of uh, our arc of curve. I forgot how to English. The, uh, <laughs> the, the change that's been occurring has been for later and later stays. Um, it's just not happening all at once. And when you have later stays, you have people staying out later. They start their evening later. You know, they get back, they shower later. They they go to dinner later. They stay up later, going to shows, hanging out, socializing, whatever the case may be. So I suspect, I suspect that if we could graph um, how late people are waking up and starting their day, we'd see that days following late night stays, uh, l- later port calls. Um, you know, they're probably actually, uh, that's, there's probably a correlation there. So that in mind, if there's guest demand for it, then late breakfast options would be something that, um, I would like, and might even potentially, if you push it out, there will always be some people that wake up really early. And that's why you see, you know, a fractional part of a buffet open at like six in the morning or something crazy, because I don't know, there are Brandon Owens of the world out there. Um, but it could potentially, if they're, if they're actually shifting these to guest schedules, could potentially even reduce some food waste. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I would say your idea makes a lot of sense for sea days because that happens a lot. In fact, my kids, my kids aren't even, aren't not even teenagers, but man, they love to sleep in on cruise ships and it is not uncommon for them to sleep till 10 a.m. And so when you get them out the door and, you know, dressed and everything, it's, you know, 11 a.m., um, I think that's reasonable. Also, you know, breakfast foods are not like, I don't know that it's, it's, there wouldn't be people who would want breakfast food regardless if they just woke up or not. I mean, I think, you know, clearly diners are demonstrated. Somebody who's mm-hmm. always in the mood for an omelet at three o'clock in the afternoon or later. I mean, it's just, it's sometimes you just feel like having breakfast foods. You don't have to have a whole breakfast buffet dedicated. You can have some, some breakfast items. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that a lot of people would welcome that idea. Again, even if they're not waking up at, you know, Billy O'Clock, they're waking up earlier, but sometimes you just want an omelet later. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the sea days thing. So that's actually something that I didn't explain that that does make sense. It works on both sides, right? Maybe you're waking up later because you had a late night. Maybe you're waking up later because you don't have an early morning, whether that's at sea or in port. So uh, breakfast anytime. Uh, To quote a wise man, uh, I'd like French toast in the Renaissance. (laughs) All right. My first wish for 2020 for Royal Caribbean is to make a fleet wide decision to either enforce or get rid of the rules for the main dining room dress code. And I say this because uh, of the umpteenth article that appeared. There was actually one this week that came out, at least at the week we recorded this episode, um, from the Washington Post about the dress code debate and what to do. And I feel like in 2020, it is high time for Royal Caribbean to make a decision about it. I'm not saying that they should uh, make it, you know, either put down rules that enforce a, here's the dress code, here's what you can and cannot wear, and we're going to enforce it, or, okay, we're not going to enforce it because of that, you know, it's just not a good idea, so we're going to get rid of the the rules because it's silly to have rules that mean absolutely nothing. And that way, you could say simply that, you know, there are rules or there aren't rules, and it's more black and white. And I feel like the problem that we see, whether this is a real issue or not, like, and I say real issue or not, I mean, what happens on the internet is not necessarily indicative of what the rest of the world and the vast majority of people who go on cruise ships actually observe. Um, but by by going ahead with this, this would remove a obstacle to people's planning. And this is what it boils down to is, you know, when you're planning for your first cruise or your eighth cruise or whenever, you know, what do you have to pack? What are you trying to do? And the idea that you should dress to impress always is a nice notion. I certainly get that as well. But I also recognize that it is silly to have these rules that are listed there and you follow them and then somebody else obviously doesn't and then there's no ramifications. Then you start questioning, well, why did I bother with this? I'm, you know, I certainly enjoy dressing up some nights, you know, you maybe want a little lesser. Anyway, I feel like it would be a better overall guest experience to, again, have them decide, okay, we're either going to enforce the rules or we're going to get, or not going to enforce them. If they are going to enforce them, which is fine, they need to be more specific because the current rules are written so vaguely 
that you can make an argument for pretty much anything that isn't like a speedo into the main dining room. And even then you might have an argument to be made. So I feel like if they were a little more specific about it, if they are going to enforce it or say, okay, it is what it is, you know, wear whatever and, um, you know, it, 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 and leave it at that. I just feel like having a decision, you know, more is lost to indecision than bad decision. And I feel like they should just make a decision. So it's sorry. It took me a second to respond because I was actually um, I was digging through loose change here. I want to uh, make additional contributions to the Royal Caribbean Blog Insider Program, so you have enough coins to put in the uh, in the server once everyone starts commenting on this. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with everything that you said, and I think the challenge is actually a simple one. Um, it, it, the the solution is not, but the challenge is a simple one. What I mean is, we've all been in situations as individuals where we don't want to take a hard stance because we don't want to upset anyone on either side of an issue, whether it's something, uh, politically or, or just, you know, how, how does my hair look this way or any number of things? And that is what Royal Caribbean and other cruise lines in fairness, um, are, are trying to do with dress code. Yep. Um, they, they don't, they don't want to upset anyone, especially as a business. You don't want to do it as a person. You really don't want to do it if you're a business. Um, it almost makes me wonder, and there will be someone that will hate them more. There will be many someone's that hate that I say this. It almost makes me wonder if maybe the right approach is something more in line with not saying exactly what they do, but more in line with what NCL does, where if you're going to want to not take a stand because you don't want to upset either, then say that that's what you're doing, right? Say, Hey, you guys do you, we'd love to see a dress up. We'd love to see a not dress up. We want everyone to be happy is maybe even a, a uh, as good of a solution, perhaps, as saying these are the rules, you know, and, and we're going to enforce them. Either one would be fine with me. I agree that the current ambiguity is just problematic. I would argue, um, however, against one thing you said. You said uh, you were talking about dressing to impress, and I, I feel like in your head, you're thinking, well, Billy doesn't do that. But I specifically remember a time on Navigator of the Seas where I was wearing my uh, fluffy uh, Mickey slippers in the dining room. And you said, wow, Billy, that is impressive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. The, the, the witness's statement was taken out of context. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's just the ambiguity. I think that's the best way you can you can describe it there, Billy. It's just I don't think it serves anybody's best interest. I understand the reason why they keep it so ambiguous is because they don't want to offend anyone. You're absolutely right about that, Billy. And so they kind of just leave it as it is. And this way, it just it's the path of least resistance. But I feel like, you know, I don't I don't this isn't a debate on which side of the fence you fall on. This is a debate on in my mind about you either have rules or you don't have rules. And I feel that if you're going to have them, that's totally fine. They need to enforce them in the same way that if you have safety rules about, you know, certain activities, whether it's like the flow rider or the zip line or what have you, why are there safety rules in there? Because that's to make sure no one gets hurt. Right. And there's no ambiguity about that. They clearly enforce those rules. Granted, that's more of a life and death situation, but the point is you have you either have rules or you don't have rules. And if you don't have rules, that's okay too. It's in my I I've always said someone wearing shorts in the dining room does not has no impact on my food and my meal. Yep. And I don't is I'm not sitting there and staring at them. I'm staring at my at my family, people I'm, I'm I'm at the table with, and it has no impact on on your meal. you you know what I mean? Um and uh you know, again, that's a debate for another day. But the point is have rules or don't have rules. And I hope that it, that that'd be my wish to have them enforce it. So I, I agree. And I don't want to beat this to death. Uh, uh, screw an episode. We could do an entire series of podcasts on dress code. Um, but as you were talking about the, the enforcement, it occurs to me that there's actually one more reason that this needs to be clarified. And that's because all of the, the crew and the officers and the staff, they work really hard, really long hours. And to be honest, Royal Caribbean, because I know you listen to everything I do, Royal Caribbean, the other episodes that Matt does. Meh. Um, <laughs> I don't think the way it's currently handled is fair to crew because it pushes the, um, the I don't want to say retaliation. Um, it makes it so that guests may be upset with the crew who are put in the position of enforcing or not. 
Um, because Royal Caribbean knows that the way things are now, they're trying to keep it as ambiguous as possible. It's not a mistake, right? So that means that some guests, no matter which side of the, the, the dress code debate they're on, may be inclined to be upset that the, with the way that crew is enforcing or not that dress code. If you make it more clear, then the hardworking crew members aren't put in that position anymore. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to number two that you have there, Bill, your second wish. Number two. Um, (laughs) You may, you may immediately tell me I'm disqualified for saying this Um, because it didn't happen. And I just wanted to stay on the radar because it's important for me and important for others and important for revenue. Royal Caribbean. Faster internet, faster internet, because I I actually had an experience on a Royal Caribbean company ship where I would have stayed on a cruise for an additional seven nights. I was just wrapping up seven nights. I was ready to do another seven. Internet wasn't good enough. I needed to, I needed to get some work done. My circumstance may be somewhat unique, or I I should say somewhat edge case, not unique, but an edge case of sorts. Um, But there are many people that would be more likely to cruise, spend more money on their cruise for the internet if it were to be more reliable and, again, importantly, more consistent. Because there are some ships you go on a lure and it's it's fantastic, right? Um, so maybe maybe my protest uh, uh, three wishes will be that this is going to keep appearing on every episode. And I know sure that that must be putting on someone at Royal Caribbean. See, this is one of the... I Look, personally, I agree with you. But I would also point out, I think... What we're really talking about here relies on functionality that we re- that we want and or re- rely on that is really the outlier situation. Video streaming, um, steady connections for certain activities. I think most people, when I say most people, I'm, I'm thinking like 90% of the people out there at least are just simply they're doing email, they're doing social media like Facebook or Instagram, and they're texting. There's not... Counterpoint. Yes. Counterpoint. You said it yourself last episode. That when you're on a, a Royal Caribbean ship that has, we'll say, subpar boom, you're on, uh, I don't know, I'm going to pick on a random freedom ship. Of the seas. Sure, freedom. Yep. Um, that there is a line of guests at the Voom help desk complaining about the speed of the internet. Yeah. So but even I bet it- that you and I have different, di- different wants, different needs, but I, I think the, the, Consumers will only be demanding faster and more consistent, reliable access. It will yep. never go the other direction. No, you're totally right. And I will tell you this, that when Royal Caribbean announced the first Voom back in 2014 on Quantum of the Seas, if we were to if you were to have like a, a, a line chart, like you would like in a stock price, you know, over time, that shot the line, like for internet connectivity straight up in the air, like almost near vertical line. Like that was an amazing move forward for all guests. It was incredible. I mean, I really, I, I couldn't believe at the time that's what it was. Right. And we were like, my goodness, we're on the, we're on the cusp of, you know, true high speed internet at, uh, across the fleet. That was the promise. Awesome. All right. Now let's fast, let's fast forward now, uh, six years. Now we're in 2020. And uh, I feel like if that line, we're looking at that line chart, it has definitely gone down. And what I mean by that is some ships do have or enjoy a certain level of connectivity, although I would argue that even those ships have mostly flat line in terms of the the progress available to them. Um, what I mean, like, like they haven't, like, gotten, if this were cell phone technology, they haven't gone from 3G to 4G to 5G. They've just been holding steady at wherever they're at. Um, and other ships, obviously, as you mentioned, the freedom of the seas, the radiance of the seas of the world, have not, really nothing has changed there. And um, it, it seems like, there's been a regression in the drive to innovate with uh, high-speed internet at sea. That could be for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them being that, first of all, the technology is not simple or easy to implement. I recognize that. Number two, there may not be other companies that really do this. I know O3B, which was the company that brought this technology, and I believe they got acquired by somebody. Uh, regardless, Royal Caribbean does not have the exclusive with them anymore. I believe now Princess definitely uses them. And there may be others as well. But the bottom line is there's only so much bandwidth. And I feel like to your point, Billy, um, there's always that that drive, that need for continuing to move the, the needle forward. And this idea that it's good enough clearly is not the case. Yeah, it, it, it's unusual, I think, in, in most things to see um, 
trends not continue. They they may slow, um, but yeah, there, there's. Uh, I would have expected differently by now, and and that's why it's back on the list yes. because it's it's not meeting not just my expectations, but I think guest expectations um, to the extent that, as, as you said, you see the lines. Um, and it, it makes a difference for, for, for people for any number of reasons. So, uh, yeah, that's my, my protest vote of sorts that I'll continue to put on the list until Matt doesn't invite me back next year because of it. <laughs> Number two on my list, uh, admittedly self-serving, but I think this one is for the greater good of the people. And that is a new margarita menu somewhere outside of Sabor to save the best thing about that restaurant that's not guacamole. Uh, I love I, this. Sabor is an endangered species if uh, it is being systematically removed from a variety of uh, ships that, that had it. And there's uh, here in 20, I mean, it's gone from Oasis. It'll be gone from freedom here in a matter of weeks. And that'll leave it on Harmony of the Seas and Liberty of the Seas. And Liberty is getting her refurbishment uh, soon. And we'll also get rid of it then. So anyway, Sabor is not long for this world. And you know what? You, okay, that's fine. I mean, I've made my peace with it. But... There is absolutely, positively no reason why the margarita menu cannot, in its current form from Sabor, be salvaged and put somewhere else. Whether that is a margarita menu at El Loco Fresh or some other restaurant or bar, doesn't matter. But I would love for them to do this because I feel like the outside of Sabor, the margarita options are not nearly as good, A. B, margaritas are a big deal. They're the very popular option. We're not talking about something that nobody really likes, like Scottish um, uh, what do you drink? Whiskey, scotch? I don't even know what you drink, but whatever that stuff is, nobody likes it. Like <laughs> Scottish whiskey, yes, man, Scot- man of the world, you are. <laughs> um, but like this is, I mean, margaritas are always a popular thing in this age of drink packages yep. and and all this. I mean, it makes perfect sense. And if you're gonna save one thing, uh, this seems like the 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 life vest should be given to the uh, margarita many from Sabor because it is really good. And I would love to see Royal Caribbean up their margarita game uh, to begin with. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, because I'm here to say the unpopular things, evidently. Um, I, I agree with you. I would say even if they had at some venue, El Loco Fresh would seem like, you know, if they had maybe it, it, they, um, there's a service bar in that, you know, galley area, maybe they could do it there. But wherever they do this, um, go ahead and make them only available in that one spot and then charge one dollar above the drink package coverage because they are labor intensive right to to do an actual fresh handmade margarita um i I sometimes on other ships uh ask for them you just say hey do you have a bunch of limes great do you have them you know can you model these and and make it and they will but it you know you don't have all the right things and and practice um so i get that it's not something they could offer at every uh every single venue because of those factors but it'd be great you're right margaritas are popular it's a great drink for the caribbean yep and uh it'd be it'd be really nice not this is like some disney would do if they called it the like the sabor bar at uh, a loco fresh or something like that i'd love to see that and i will as i believe i did last year um go ahead and through this loophole through this magical loophole insert a fourth wish that i have because i almost uh for one of mine mentioned enhancements to look uh, El Loco Fresh because I really like that they have it, which for those of you who don't know, El Loco Fresh, uh, that's, I don't want to say replace Sabor, but that is the kind of quick service, uh, complimentary, uh, Tex-Mex venue that's available on a number of ships now. And it, it's great. I'm glad they have it. I enjoy eating there, but I think it could be better. And I'm comparing that partially to Sabor, but that was a different dining experience, but also to Carnival's, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say the name of a Mexican restaurant down the street from me. Is it the Iguana? Something like that? Uh, Blue Iguana Cantina. Blue Thank one. you. Yeah. El yeah. um, Agave Azul is a place in South Florida, which, by the way, if you're ever near there, fantastic. Not not Tex-Mex. Really good Mexican food. Um, so, yeah, I, I in general enhancements, that could be one that would also drive revenue, would be margaritas. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's my number two. What about your number three wish? Number three. So last time I talked about rotating shows and um, didn't get that. Maybe we'll never get that. Who knows? 
but something that is somewhat popular on land. We, we've seen several cruise lines do, and I think Royal Caribbean um, is well positioned to do it. I can even think of how they how this could work in certain venues would be dinner shows. Um, that's where perhaps the food is themed to the to the the entertainment type, or maybe not. Um, perhaps it's a somewhat prefix menu because with dinner shows you do have the the added complication of timing, right? You, you, everyone needs to eat at the same time to see the show, or else it just doesn't work. So there are some considerations there, but uh, we see that some cruise lines have done this with really elaborate productions with acrobatics and stuff and, and, and people sitting around enjoying their meal during this, or we've seen it it applied differently, um, by other cruise lines where they have a, an augmented reality show happening on their table. Um, those are just two ways that that could happen. It could also happen like a more traditional stage show, at least on ships that have cabaret seating. Perhaps it could get a little tricky space wise, but point is I'm not looking for any one particular way of this happening, but I think it would be neat because for me, I, I'm often torn. I, I want to do um, everything and nothing when I'm on a cruise. I want to see all of the things. I want to see all the shows. I want to go to all the events, but I also want to relax and do nothing. Hmm. So if I could have dinner and enjoy a show at the same time, I think it'd be a neat experience. I think people might be willing to pay a little bit for it. And it would make my cruise experience more efficient. Sure. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Royal Caribbean has offered, and they still do on a, a few ships left, the mystery dinner theater where essentially you eat at a specialty restaurant and there is a mystery uh, yeah. experience, kind of like a whodunit type thing. It's not quite – I think you're thinking more of a less interactive, more of a stage production where the audience is sitting in front of the performers. Is that accurate? Yeah, even if the performers are virtual, um, like uh, if you're familiar with Le Petit Chef uh, on some celebrity sh- ships, um, but but yeah, even even potentially even better if they're they're human. But yeah, the, I thought about the 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 mystery thing, and I talked to a number of people um, who who enjoyed that, and it, it didn't seem like it was resoundingly successful. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's definitely a reason why it has not been. Yeah, it's been and I don't think that that reason isn't because people don't want to be entertained while having dinner. Right. And yeah. if for, for me personally, I will take a dinner show over, um, again, saying the unpopular things, over disruptive entertainment in the main dining room anytime. And what I mean by that is, all right, people are spinning napkins and now centrifugal yes. force just got corn in my food and. <laughs> Larissa's right. hair. Um, so that's, that's something that we could, and that's the way to do it. Yeah. That's one. If, if we can get that one, this wasn't one of my wishes, but yes, the, all the entertainment in the main dining room, it can stop. It's okay. We don't need, like, it's okay to celebrate the, the crew. They should do that at some point. Like, you know, usually at the end of the cruise, we sure. say, you know, Absolutely. enjoy the, have you enjoyed the food? Yeah. Woo. Like that's totally worth it. But we don't need the the conga line. We don't need the napkin twirling. We don't need them stand up and do Macarena. Like, I remember on a, on Oasis, yeah, they were like, I want the the maitre d comes on and goes, I want everybody to stand up. All right, so I said, I don't know, maybe this is a veteran salute, perhaps a thank you to the to the chef. I don't want to be rude, and I stood up, and now everybody break dance, and it was like, and then I said, <laughs> okay, I'm sitting back down, and you know what? I was one of few that sat down, but I wasn't doing it, um, so. <laughs> Yeah, we can get rid of that. It's 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 okay. It's okay if that appears to be a little stuffy. I get some people like the little fun of it, but eh, there's a time and place for it, and that's usually like on the pool deck. You could do that all you want. Totally cool. But my suggestion is such that people could have fun. People could be entertained, yes. um, but in a way that is somewhat more voluntary, perhaps, uh, <laughs> and does not involve those things that uh, that you mentioned. So I, I'd love to see it again. I'm not prescriptive. On the form, um, I'm, you know, I'd be willing to bet that the fine people at Royal Caribbean Entertainment uh, could come up with dinner theater concepts that I I couldn't even imagine. Um, And I don't just mean storylines, but, you know, in terms of what the venue might be or or the type of entertainment, would love to see something like that. Sure. I like it. My last wish uh, for 2020 is to eliminate smoking in the casino. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I think it's smoking uh, and and uh, attire, uh, dress codes in one episode, Matt. <laughs> I'm hitting all the, the all the hot button topics here. 
I feel like this one was one I was always agnostic towards. Uh, no, wait, agnostic means I. There may or may not be a rule about it, but I'm not willing to Civil? consider it. Yeah, um, I've always <laughs> been just like indifferent to the rule. Like I always thought, look, people are going to smoke. It's a you know, it is what it is in the casino. You know, on land, even you, that's a pretty big thing. But over the last couple of years, this trend is on land. I'm talking about has changed quite a bit. And the bottom line is, I feel that in an industry in which it's all about the revenue, which it is, cruising is about making money for Royal Caribbean standpoint. There's going to be a lot more people who will go to the casino and gamble um, if there was no smoke there. And for the people that do smoke and do enjoy smoking while gambling, I would argue that people who are, um, I don't want to say big gamblers or habitual gamblers, people who consider themselves gamblers in some form or another are going to go to the casino regardless. And it is proven on land you can easily do a smoke-free casino environment. It's a little easier on land because the casinos are so much larger and so you really can't have a non-smoking area versus a smoking area. But on a cruise ship, where the, even the largest casinos are probably the size of somebody's living room, a very large living room, admittedly. But you know what I mean? Like it's you know it's not very large. Certainly no, not larger than most people's single-family home bottom floor floor plan. Uh, I feel like it's time for it to to, to go. And um, I I just think that. For a variety, of, I'm not even going to go to the health reasons and start arguing that point. I just think that the writing's on the wall on this one, and we've seen this happen on land, and I feel like it's time for it in the casino. This is going to end up being a better scenario for everybody involved uh, because, again, it will bring in more people to the casino that I know a lot of people who just simply don't go in there because of the smoke. But beyond that, I think people who do smoke are going to find somewhere else to smoke on board the ship. There you can do that. I'm, I'm okay with that. But... They, uh, you know, the casino shouldn't be one of those areas because there is a percentage, not all people, far from it, but there is a percentage of people who use the casino as an indoor smoking area because they don't, can't be bothered to go outdoors. Um, I'm not talking about when it's raining. I'm talking about just in general. So again, I think it's time for this one that, uh, they eliminate smoking in the casino. I just, I, I, I understand there's some people who feel very strongly about it, but I, at the end of the day, I think it's a better overall guest experience when we're talking about the casino, both from a revenue standpoint and from a enjoyability standpoint, to have it uh, to have it be be gone. Yeah, I, I suspect that there's data on this, um, w- which makes me wonder if it's just really close to fifty fifty, and they fear change, or um, or if perhaps there is an imbalance in um, in how the decision should be made. So the data would, of course, be. Uh, do the people that gamble the most smoke, right? That's that's pretty straightforward. Now, granted, not everyone who doesn't smoke would care if the casino smoking. Um, not everyone who does smoke would care if the casino. You know, there's some, but but it's reasonably easy to to say. Well, if if the people that gamble the most don't smoke, we want to make it non-smoking, and they probably have this data from land-based casinos, from other cruise lines, all sorts of things. There is another element to it, though, and this is purely speculative on on my part. Um, and and I would love for the for casinos to be non-smoking. By the way, um, the casinos are not run by cruise lines. I don't think any cruise line, at least none of the larger lines, runs their own casinos. Kind of like photography, a third-party company does that. And I can imagine a scenario. That if a if the company who runs the casino thinks that it could impact revenue, um, they they don't want to do it. But then if uh, the cruise line decides that guest satisfaction would be significantly higher if they did not allow smoking, that there could be a bit of a disagreement there. That ultimately the cruise line has the upper hand, unless it's in, you know somewhere in a contract that they can't make that change or something. Right. Um, but it, I guess my point is, I feel like there must be a reason, because an- th- anecdotally, I, I think you're you're right. Um, but but it, it's a dollars and cents thing. So why why not? Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Something that came to my mind when you were talking about this, Billy. When I was when I entered college, my first I think two years of college, you could smoke in a bar, and that was my introduction largely to the bar experience um, and and what it's like. And I remember you walk into a bar, and it's it was filled with smoke and it was just the way it was. And it was, it was, I didn't mind it. I didn't smoke, but I just didn't mind it. I thought that's what, that's the way it was. 
And I remember I went to school in, in New York City. And then I remember when they banned smoking in New York City and in bars. Uh, and I remember thinking, like, oh, I wasn't even a smoker. I was like, how can they do that? That's crazy. Like, smoking in a bar is like drinking in a bar. It's what you do. And it was part of the experience. And now in 2019, I cannot imagine a bar in which you smoke. Like that is, it to me, it it it's, it, it, it brings up a vile reaction in myself. Um, and, and I feel like this is the same thing with the casinos. That it's obviously there's gonna be some people who are not gonna be happy with it. Obviously, it's gonna be a bit of a change, and it's gonna be weird walking into the casino and not reeking of smoke uh, to some degree, but. We as people get over it, and before you know it, it ends up becoming the norm of it not being the case. And I feel like smoking in a casino is very similar to smoking in a bar, where at once upon a time that was the thing, that's what it was. Everyone accepted, no one can, no one questioned it. And then someone got rid of it one day, and people started saying, <laughs> and then, but now today it's like, oh yeah, of course that makes total sense. And now it's it's a totally different thing. And I feel like casinos are are, are a similar thing. Yeah, it, it's a matter of time, right? I, I think that this is something we know will happen. It, it's just when. Um, I'm surprised that that the the new norm kind of that you're talking about hasn't been more realized as other cruise lines and land-based casinos have gotten rid of smoking in um, in casinos. Yep. But I wonder if, and, and maybe, maybe this has happened on Royal Caribbean. You tell me, because I've seen other lines do this. Um, has, has there been... Uh, a thing where they say, well, on, you know, day two and day four of this cruise, there's no smoking in the casino. No, they do. The, what Royal Caribbean does is they say one half of the casino right. is smoke free. Yeah, which is, like, yeah, it's like smoking on an airplane. It does. The smoking section yeah. doesn't matter. It's the same and, thing. And, and listen, I see the flaw in saying no smoking on Tuesday. You go to Tuesday and it's way better than when people are smoking there, but it still smells like smoke because yes. most of the time people are smoking there. Yeah. But, uh, but I just, you know, I, I wonder, companies fear change. Yep. We all fear change. I wonder if that'd be a way of easing into it. Yeah, well, whatever it is, I I, I think it's time for it. But we shall see. Um, a lot, some definitely, of all these wishes that we've done here, I feel like a lot of, we've, we're trying to push the envelope here a little bit, which is nice. And we'll see if these actually do come true or not. And of course, uh, time will tell and we'll return to this episode a year from now. Billy, uh, of course, we should mention before you go that if you're looking for more uh, commentary on uh, the history of cruising, kale, and really uh, trends in the industry, you should check out cruisehabit.com. Uh, it's Billy's website that he runs and posts a lot of great stuff, including my favorite p- content, which are old family cruising photos. You haven't done that in a while, though. Uh, you know what? Maybe just for you, I'll do uh, I'll do a, oh, actually, you know what? It's 2019. I could do like a first 20 years of Billy's uh, cruising attire in review post. <laughs> so all the different kale shirts I've worn through the years. Yes. Yeah, so I, I generally prefer your parents cruising because Billy posts photos from his parents cruising days. So we're talking about cruising in the 80s, uh, early 90s, and even was it even before the 80s. Is that fair to say? I'm not even sure. How far and, I mean, not with me on them, just because yeah. I didn't exist. <laughs> it exists, but yeah, right. But it, it's fun seeing those kind of photos because it, it's just obviously a, it's a much different era back then compared to even the '90s uh, today. Anyway, good stuff there on the blog. So check out uh, Billy's stuff at cruisehabit.com. Thank you, thank you, and I appreciate you hanging out with us here, Billy, and chatting with us about uh, these wishes. And I'm looking forward to uh, another 300. Actually, it's a leap year. 366 days until we get to do this again. I'm excited that you've already decided you're going to have me back. Uh, I will send over the uh, contract via DocuSign. Thank you so much. Uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Matt. All righty, it's time to answer some of your listener emails. We'll begin with an email from James Woodward from Stephenville, Texas, or Stephenville, Texas, I'm not sure. James writes, Matt, I just finished listening to episode 328, and one of your emails you answered asked about the shore excursions to Chichen Itza from Cozumel. While getting to Chichen Itza is a challenge from Cozumel, one option is a five-night sailing out of Galveston, maybe New Orleans, that stops in Progreso, Yucatan, Mexico. No ferry ride required, and the bus ride is shorter than Cozumel. Just an option. Thanks for helping me become a more informed cruiser. Wow, if actually, James, first of all, I learned something there, so thank you. And second of all, with that being the case, dude, I really now am interested in a cruise that goes to Progreso because it is one of my dreams to make it over to Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza is the Mayan pyramids to see in 
uh, in Mexico. It's, you know, the Chichen Itza is to the Mayan pyramids as the great pyramids of Giza are to pyramids in Egypt. I mean, it's just, there's Chichen Itza and there's everything else. And if the opportunity to see those pyramids in from Progresso is a lot simpler and not doesn't require like 75% of your day traveling, I think that's an awesome idea. Next, we have an email from Sheila who writes, Hi Matt, I'm looking forward to your review of Oasis of the Seas. It'll be selling on her in February. Can't wait. My question is, I have rewards credits from my Royal Caribbean credit card that I submitted for onboard credit. When will I see those on my account? Thanks for all your wonderful information and stories you have. Sheila, thanks for the email. So I don't have the Royal Caribbean credit card, but if I'm not mistaken, if you transfer those points into onboard credit, it should appear when you get on board the ship. I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure you don't see that as an onboard credit you can access before the cruise via the Cruise Planner website. Um, that kind of onboard credit you'd be getting from directly from Royal Caribbean. Technically, this onboard credit is coming from the from Bank of America, right? The people that run the credit card. And um, so it'd be a different form. It's almost like any from a travel agent. Anyway, when you get on board the ship, Sheila, it should be in your CPASS account there, assuming again you did everything right. Uh, but that's exactly when I would expect to see it there. Next, we have an email from Sean Leahy who writes, Hi, Matt. Great pictures on your blog of the new Oasis of the Seas. Thanks again for answering my questions on the new arena area of the Oasis in the comments section there. My family and I will be traveling on Oasis in March for spring break. Concerning the teen club, though, is this age group still 12 to 17, split between 12 and 14, 15 and 17? I only ask because the arena sign has a picture 6 to 12. This would probably be too much detail that I ask because my younger daughter is 12 and we want to know which club she can go to. She would rather be in the teen club since her 15-year-old sister is there, but I wanted to make sure. Also, my 15-year-old is really nervous about going on the cruise. We've been avid Disney cruisers for a number of years, and she's gotten comfortable with the Disney environment. My wife and I, not so much. We're looking forward to a new experience with many more activities and one that won't break the bank. With previous Disney cruises, we were able to get our daughters hooked up with other Facebook or Snapchat groups to meet other teens. Are there similar resources that you can help us with? Lastly, have you ever done or thought about doing a podcast on teen club activities? I would love to hear more. Looking forward to more coverage of the Oasis of the Seas. Happy Thanksgiving. John, thanks for the email. And to answer your questions, I do believe with the on Oasis of the Seas, yes, the arena, Adventure Ocean now extends to 12 years old. Now, that being said, Sean, it, just like in the old system, you can speak to the staff and explain in the teen area, like, listen, my daughter here, we got a 15-year-old and 12-year-old. I get this 12-year-old is supposed to be in the Adventure Ocean. Is it okay for them to come in the teen club? The answer may be no, but it also may be yes. In a lot of cases, Sean, they may have a, let's see how it goes, give it like one night, make sure there's no issues there. It also depends also how busy they're planning it to be and whatnot. So at the very least, Sean, I would tell you that you should go to the teen club, speak to the counselors who were over there, and see if there's an opportunity to move up. And and it's gonna be ultimately their call there. In terms of the Facebook or Snapchat groups, boy, you're, I, I don't know. I mean, there are Facebook groups for specific sailings on Royal Caribbean, absolutely. If you go to Facebook and you type in your ship name and the sail date, more than likely, especially on Oasis of the Seas, you're going to find a Facebook group. How active it is and who's there, I mean, that's gonna vary. That's a crapshoot, quite frankly. But they definitely do exist. And I would definitely look at them. Again, I can't promise you, Sean, one way or the other, your daughter's going to find other people to meet up with before the cruise. I mean, that's just, again, kind of a crapshoot there. And I would love to do more episodes about teen club activities. You know, part of it is, well, first of all, you have to find a teenager who uh, can share that experience because, believe it or not, I'm a little too old to be in the teen club anymore. So, uh, I think I'm, oh gosh, I think I'm like double the age of what I should be at, to be in the teens anymore, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, the, the point of this is that uh, absolutely. I mean, part of what I want to do on the podcast is share the entire cruise experience, whether we're talking about teenagers, adults, you know, uh, newlyweds. I mean, really anybody. I want to be able to share as much of the cruise experience with everybody because you know what? Sooner or later, somebody's going to find themselves in a situation just like Sean. I'm sure I'm going to be in about a couple more years as my daughters are getting older. So absolutely. The more we can learn from each other, the better. And uh, I would love to do an episode like that in the, in the future. Next, we have an email from Dave, writes, When we booked our cruise on Allure of the Seas, we chose late traditional dining because we love the traditional style of the meals and the waitstaff. However, since they released the showtimes, it looks like it's going to be tough to make us a lot of the scheduled shows. The early seating is still way too early, but I still want to enjoy a traditional dining feel. I know I can change the my time dining and choose the same seats and waiter every night. But with people coming and going and meals being served at various times, does that still have the traditional dining feel? 
Also, it seems like the dress code is a big controversy. Uh, as someone who likes to dress up, I wish the dress code could be enforced, and I have a solution for it. Most ships now have multiple levels of the main dining room. Set one level as more casual and one as strict dress code. When choosing your dining, when booking, you select what level of dress code you want. It's really a win-win for everybody. Love listening to your podcast and live videos. Thanks for everything you do. Dave, thanks for the email. It's interesting stuff there. So in terms of if you go to my time dining, will it still retain the same look and feel or uh, of traditional? To some extent, yes. I mean, look, you're still in the dining room. And if you do request the same table and you dine with the same people and you request the same waiter, there, I, I think most of it is there. Yes, you're right. You're going to notice other people coming and you know going. And I know when I'm in traditional dining, it always irked me a little bit if someone, if another table was significantly ahead of us um, or even behind to some extent, mostly be ahead of us. Like I, I would take notice, like, why are we always getting served last kind of situation? But at the end of the day, Dave, you got to figure out what's more important. And it sounds to me like the schedule wise, it'd be more important. And it's still going to be the same thing. I mean, the, the bottom line is, well, I think what makes traditional dining so much fun is the fact that the waiter gets to know you, you get to know them. And it is the same table. You can move seats around, you know, but it's, 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 there's a little familiarity with that. So I think absolutely that'd be the way to go, especially if the schedule is a concern for you. Don't forget, Dave, also, if you're like close, like let's say dinner begins at eight and the show is at even nine o'clock on one particular day, you can let your wait staff know, hey, look, we've got a show coming up here on this day. Is there any way we can get the meal kind of expedited? They will definitely work with you on that. Now, granted, if it's half an hour after you sit down, that's a different story. But as long as you got a solid hour, I'd say you're in a pretty good spot. Now, your other interesting idea, and this is one I've heard before as well about, you know, have, there's three levels of the of the dining room. Let's make three levels, you know, one level for strict dining, strict dress code, as you mentioned. Other ones, not so much. It's a great idea, except you're forgetting that not all the dining rooms are the same style. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, my time versus traditional. And the problem is there aren't two decks usually for one or the other. It, it's going to be, it, it would be difficult to do that because I think the logistics involved of trying to balance not only your dress code options, but also the traditional versus my time dining. And now factor in on cruise ships that only have two decks for the main dining room, like on Radiance class ships, it becomes a whole different issue there. And I, I understand, and we kind of talked about this in this episode about dress codes, and we, we obviously went into the great length there with Billy talking about that. I, I really believe, honestly, that going back to what I said earlier, Royal Commission needs to figure out to either enforce it or not enforce it. That's, I think that's really the bottom line there. And obviously you heard me talk about that earlier, but that's the solution to it. Not this, you know, je ne sais quoi kind of approach to uh, whether or not it should be enforced or not and so forth. So anyway, uh, Dave, thanks so much for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always send me your emails, by the way, by sending to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hodgeberg, and we'll talk again real soon.